Freaking A, man. You, you got to start over. No, just leave it in. <laughs> you have to start over. That was no. so wrong. <laughs> <laughs> no age statement. That's so bad. <laughs> <laughs> you really have got to cut it. Start over somewhere. I really had to start over. No, we're keeping all that in because that was gold. <laughs> <laughs>up y'all welcome to that reload podcast we are back today and joined by the entire crew i am your host joel sitting across from me is the booze our resident cook jeremy the kitchen white law let's get meh oh spicy getting it up all right sit next to him is our pit master and producer the man that tickles all the clips mr matt Farr. levels levels and last but not least, the backbone of the show, the sweet and sassy, sometimes salty, Miss Stacy. Hey, guys. All right, well, we've got a very special episode. This is one that you all all been waiting for. We are going to be talking all things bourbon on this episode. The entire thing, talking about bourbon. But to start things off, we're going to be doing porn on the podcast. But before we get to that, I want to uh, kind of do a little catch up with you guys. See how your weekend and all that jazz was. Uh, I, I mean, I didn't do anything, but what I'm most curious to hear about is how your all's getaway to Asheville went, because I know I was watching your stories and I was super jealous the whole time. It looked awesome. So tell me more about that. It was awesome. We canceled our 10 year anniversary trip to Mexico. Stacy stumbled upon this gym called the June bug in Asheville, North Carolina at June bug RV resort. Uh, JuneBugRetroResort.com. That's right. And yeah, it's it's a tr- it's a treasure. It's, it's a treasure. Charming. This this lovely couple runs fifty acres. They've got they have renovated um, ten nineteen fifties campers. So they're all you know like most of it is is legit nineteen fifties. Um, they've got this beautiful bathhouse on the property that actually is a camper, a huge one, gorgeous, beautiful tile, all that jazz. And they had this custom tree house built. You hike up and it's huge. No, I'm, I'm talking like a little, it's huge. With mountain views. Huge freaking tree house. I mean, this thing had to cost six figures. Had and, to. And wow. they, what was really cool about it is, um, you know, we were talking to the owners and we had brought them a five pack of the seasonings for them to try and, and they loved it. Um, but they, when they realized that we were barbecuers and, and, and cooks and stuff, they said, well, do you have any portable grills with you? They said, let's, let's pack it up and go up to the treehouse and you'll be the first, uh, people to ever grill and cook out in an actual treehouse. And wow. had we have been there longer, we would have, yeah. you know, we were more there for some R and R we did cook some excellent meals and stuff, but, um, they were all for it. And I thought that would be super cool, you know, mountain views all around and this beautiful, you know, deck out there and, and patio furniture. Like that would be so cool to bring the pro 60 up on it and grill. Yeah. It was a gorgeous piece. And what's great about the place is that they're just like, yeah, have fun. And there's 50 acres for you to just go gallivant on. Yeah. They had this <laughs> big wildflower area. Now, most of the time they do like weddings and stuff there. It's an event place. So the, a lot uh, of the weddings got canceled because of COVID. So they said all that wild, the wildflowers that they had put there for like bridal pictures and for the brides, they said, go walk through it, have fun, pick what you want. And so that was so cool. You know, we, 
Joel and I and um, oh. our family, we had a bo- like a, our little Glen Cairns of bourbon and we were taking a walk and we walked right through the wildflowers and picked just fresh ones of whatever I wanted. And that was a cool experience. Yeah, we were totally kook walking around with our Glen Cairns and our freaking uh, bourbon. And everything. <laughs> Your pinky out. Yeah, man. <laughs> what else were you going to say? They have this river, dude, and it's legit mountain water. It's cold and they've got hammocks suspended so right over the river so you can literally lay your one leg off and it'll be in the water it's not super deep um you can actually uh <clears throat> it's got like little gold flakes all through it it's, which it's is, like sparkling it's so weird but the gold flakes are like i, I was like these people are effing rich they don't mm-hmm. even know it but turns out it's like sulfite uh, or something like, like that sul- uh, something type something deposit, to do with it. but it looks like the water like it looks like the bed of the creek is like glistening with gold yeah, I thought they had maybe like sprinkled gold flecks all throughout, but so just for you guys. Yeah. Uh, speaking of creek and river, Joel, I think I heard that you got your butt pretty wet at oh, one point. Oh shit! Right? Did she tell you that? <laughs> oh no, we story to That's right. <laughs> he busted through my uh, Christmas present I got from Children's Hospital. We're literally we put our camping chairs in this creek, and I'm sitting there mid sentence. My ass hits the freaking water, man. Yeah. Just poof. <laughs> And no, we all start no. laughing and he goes, actually guys, I, I need a little help over here. I was stuck. There, there was no like ripping or like, you know, like any warning, just straight blowout into the freaking creek. <laughs> but what's really cool about the property is like, you know, you're staying in your little campsite. There's a communal like bonfire area with legit like six months worth of firewood that you just get to pick from to use. Like you don't have to bring your own firewood and this large yard, like we played Frisbee, um, um, super fun, super relaxing. The owners were, were awesome. And it, well, I definitely would love to go back. I know they're only open May through October. So, you know, it can be kind of, it'd be a fun thing to go do. Was the so. bed like that? Was the bed comfortable in a camper? I so, always just feel like that's not good sleeping arrangement. So I'm, I'm curious to hear more about the actual like amenities. So the first, the first choice that we were going to do for the camper, they had one that would fit both, you know, cause it was me and Joel and my brother and his wife. And um, we were going to get a camper that would fit all of us. And we decided to get our own sleeping arrangements. So some of the bigger ones that they have there have actual beds with like premier mattresses, like memory foam mattresses and stuff. And everybody says they're comfortable. Well, we got these little 19 feet uh, Shastas, which were so awesome and so retro. Mm -hmm. But the table turns into a bed. And then you just use like the little leather cushions as your padding. So... Not comfortable at no. all. I'm bottoming, I'm <laughs> bottoming that shit out, man. I, I've got a honky tonk, badonka donk, and so there's space. When if I if I'm laying on my back, there's my butt's touching, but there is a few inches in between my back and the bottom. <laughs> you so need something that contours I, a little. I needed some contour. Had none of that, and then you know yeah. you you hang on your hips. You know you're hitting that you're hitting that plywood, so definitely was not comfortable. But, but it was so cool sleeping but in there. He did say, and then we probably need to move on. But he did say that they were getting selling, like the little campers we were in. They were selling those, and they were bringing in the more 1950s authentic campers with actual memory foam beds, like with the actual stationary beds, not actual ones that transfer actual beds, that. not but, ones you got to break down. But anyways, um, great time. Thank you for asking. You know. Blessed to be married to this man. Yes. Happy anniversary, uh, sweetheart. You too. Okay. So it's time to do pouring on the podcast. I'm going to need you guys to hang tight. Get your glasses ready. I have already sent uh, Jeremy and Matt, since we are doing this remotely, I've sent them their bourbon tastings. 
nobody, not even Joel, has any idea what they what they will be tasting today. Um, I'm going to let you guys know what we'll be tasting. You guys need to take your headphones off. All right, we're going to get out of here while Stacy preps us. For we'll get the rundown on the podcast. All right, guys. So the bourbon tasting for today, our theme is distilleries that Joel and I have been to. All three of the bourbons that we'll be tasting today are Kentucky bourbons. So the first one is A. It is Angel's Envy Finished Rye. It's a 100, 100 proof bourbon. It's a rye whiskey finished in Caribbean rum casks. This one's a little higher price point, but I'm so excited. You know, as I was pouring it, it smells fantastic. Uh, B, what we're going to be tasting is Michter's Small Batch Kentucky Straight Bourbon. It is a 91.4 proof. And then C is Elijah Craig Small Batch. It is a 94 proof uh, bourbon. So all of these, we have been to all three of the distilleries. We've done the tastings there and seen the productions. Awesome places, awesome bourbons. So I'm super excited to hear what the guys have to say about it. Let's bring them back in and get to tasting. All right. Welcome back, guys. Um, You guys have your bourbons all set out in front of you. Yes. So let's just dive right in. Okay. Let's check out bourbon number A. Number A. Number A. Number A. All right. Do you have your sniffers? Mm. Mm. Smells light. Yum. Mm. That is delicious. Do you want do you want us to save our thoughts for no. okay. I want to know. I'm catching like mm. maple. Yeah, like mm. maple cinnamon or something. Yeah. I'm gonna say it smells almost like honey. Mm. This is delicious. It's got a viscosity like it reminds me of like like warm honey. I just want to remind you guys to to make some notes as to what you think the proof would be and the um price point. Are you guys liking this? Very yes. much. Yes, there's a there's a dryness on the back end though. Yep. You know mm-hmm. what I mean? Medium burn. Wow. Definitely I would say it's <laughs> Like a fruity <laughs> apple type flavor, too. Hold on. Stacy. that's how I would uh, classify most of Joel's com- comebacks. Oh. <laughs> oh, he's not lying, folks. All right. Uh, hang on, hang on. This is very good. Right. Definitely dry, though. Yeah. It, like, it does. It, like, At the end. You know, have, have y'all ever, have you guys ever had a persimmon? Like I, I just grabbed a raw persimmon and took a bite of it. Mm-mm. It does. Like, this is like a, a taste of that. Like if you buy a bite of raw feel. persimmon, it gives you like this like super dry feeling. But mm-hmm. this has got like a little touch of that. Like that's just like your lips and everything. Makes you want to- something I said like in the at the front end, very sweet in the front, caramel, yeah. mapley, and then at the end, kind of that heat, that cinnamon, almost like a little fire hot to it. Um, kind of like a little like fireball whiskey or something. Yeah. I'm not, um, I'm it not it getting, makes you want to take a, a sip of water after each. Are you, you know, getting? Sip. Are y'all getting cinnamon? Just a slight, not as like not like Fireball, but yeah, not like no, but just that hot. I'm not. <laughs> yeah, I, I don't think it's actually Fireball. <laughs> it's Fireball. <laughs> <laughs> it's Fireball. All right, going to B. All right, let's move on to B. B. What in the world? That's a walnut. B. Smells. First thing I hit my first thing to hit my taste buds was walnut. Like our pecan. You know what I'm saying? Yum. But it has, it has that sweetness to it, though, almost like a candied walnut or something. Yeah. 
I think it's it's definitely woodier than the first one was, or earthier. Do you guys like it? Yeah, it's good. I don't. Yeah, I don't dislike it. <laughs> it's probably not going to be my favorite of tonight, but it's it's definitely good. It's it's no envelope glue. Let's put it that I way. Think, oh, it's way I'm better gonna, than envelope. I, I'm loving this one. B almost tastes like a weeder to me. Yeah, tastes like a weeded bourbon. Yeah, you say it. Like a wiener? <laughs> <laughs> Tastes like a solid wiener. All right. Um, Smooth. Yeah, well, right at the end. God, what is that at the end? That is. <sighs> On the back end, it feels like sweeter. Yeah. I don't know. That, 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 that high caramel. I'm getting an apricot on the back end. That's what I'm getting. Now you're just naming dumbass fruits. Like, <laughs> baking spices. <laughs> Did you get like a like a flip book with like fruits for like to like look at like while you were on the drive? Flashcards. Those flashcards. Um, what is this one? <laughs> while Stacy was driving, she gave it to you like a little picture book to look through. Shut up. I have no medium burns to give you. All right. <laughs> Letter number C. Letter number C. Number C. Mm-hmm. Huh. I'm smelling pear. Yeah. C and A smell very similar to me. You can't be saying stuff. You know what's in this. I know, but I'm You're not. literally driving our thoughts. <laughs> She's like pear. Whoa, no, no. C and A did not smell anything alike. When you smell C and then you smell A, A smells like maple syrup. Oh, yeah. No, they smell completely different to me. Does I A thought it smell smelled like a little bit syrup? like me. A, A does, what yeah. What the heck? Smell this one now, real no, quick. No, real I'm, quick. I'm indulged in C. Right now, I, think, I will revisit I think A, the A. I think okay, A yeah, when I go A back and, B, and forth, yeah. I think A and B smell a little more similar. I'm not getting much. Yeah, on the front end, it's very subtle and very smooth, but then on the back end, there's a lot. Do you know what this reminds me of? This reminds me of when we tasted Bell Mead. It's tart. It's crisp. Yeah, I mean, it's very, it's super light. I was thinking that, but on the back end, I'm getting a lot of flavor. All right. I'm when you not, guys are done, I'm getting jacked. I'm really interested in hearing what your price points proofs are. And, you know, just as a note, we've came off this weekend from drinking several high-end bourbons. <laughs> Holy shit. Like, and we'll talk about that high later. High-end extravaganza. So it was then, awesome. So then we've had this huge weekend of high-end bourbons and like t- completely indulging in some rare ones. And uh, then we're going to come to this port on the podcast and give you guys these. A lot happening with three. Mm-hmm. A lot? Mm-hmm. Really? What am I missing? I'm, getting, I'm not getting jack shit out of three. Give it a good... <laughs> To me, it starts extremely smooth, but then on the back end, there's a lot going on. Like a woody aftertaste. I would almost say that there's a lot of badonkadonk in the trunk on this one. Man, I don't know what I'm missing. No. Oh, what You're not getting that? that at all? No. I'm, so, in, in, to Joel's point, I'm not getting a whole lot off seat either. But my nose is about half stopped up, stopped up from doing yard work this weekend. Oh, so, yeah. maybe that's a, affecting my, my tastes. All right, so what I want to do when we talk about the different bourbons, I want to go Matt, then Jeremy, then Joel. So Matt, 
Tell me about yep. A. I would like to know three things. The three P's, price point, proof, and preference. So for price, I said $39. Uh, I guessed it was a 97 proof, and A was actually my favorite one. So that was number one on my list. Uh, Jeremy. A. Um, a um, proof, I said 96. Uh, price, I said 50. And it was my favorite also. Um, I will say of these three bourbons, none of them really stood out to me, but this one was my favorite of the three. So A did not stand out to you? No, I'm saying like none of them like blew my socks off. There was not one that I was like, I have to have a bottle of this today. Mm-hmm. Um, but of the three, I would say A had the most interesting flavor of all of them. Yeah. All right, Joel. So what do you want from me on this? Price was, point and proof. I'm going to go $50 to $49.99. I'm thinking a 90 proofer. Okay. And which, was Love it your favorite? It was my favorite, yes. It had the most depth out of any of them. I absolutely loved A. Mm, a yeah. was my favorite. Uh, a is one that I would probably put in my everyday rotation. Probably oh. not everyday rotation, but. You going to let us know what it is? I will. Should I tell you now? Your porn. Yeah. So the theme, <laughs> the theme of this week's porn on the podcast is distilleries that Joel and I have been to. Oh, oh no shit. Yeah. Oh, so this one is angels envy finished rye. No way. It's a hundred. Again proof. with the dang r- rye keeps proving me wrong where yep. I say, I don't like rye. And then rye's my favorite. <laughs> so I I, I've off. heard a lot of angels envy stuff and this is my first time trying anything. Angels envy. Well, this is a special one cause it's a finished rye. It's a hundred proof, but it's a rye whiskey finished in the Caribbean rum casks. That's where you're getting uh, the maple. Oh mm-hmm. yeah. So it's a 95% rye rye mash bill with 5% malted barley. Um, what they do wow. is they're aged up to 18 months finished in these Caribbean rum casks. The price point on this one, I got it for $89.99, but they are a hundred bucks up typically. Oh my God. <laughs> and what was the proof on it? hundred proof. hundred proof. I was way off. That, that thing was such, but bu- that was such butter. I had it at a 90. It like reminded wow. me of like gentleman yeah. Jack. So mm-hmm. the I on that one out there, man. Like I, I was writing notes that as I tasted it again. I got you know it's smooth. I got the maple, the caramel, apple, and I even got a little bit of clove in there. Is what I, uh, notes I was getting out of it. But the um, that the dryness you're getting, that's from the rum. You, you know, have you ever just like sipped on rum? Every time I have, yeah. Like, Captain- the, the, these flavors are straight up rum flavors. Like this is. Yeah. So it says it's immensely complex. The mingling of raw, spicy, and earthy rye with the mellow sweetness of rum finishing creates an incomparably smooth and drinkable whiskey. Aromas of citrus, caramel candy, maple sugar, vanilla, oak, hazelnut, spice, and sherry wood. And what you taste is sweet rum, sherry wood, and soft oak. Soft. Not hard oak. <laughs> soft oak. Soft oak. Soft. All right. Flaccid oak. Flaccid oak. So, all right. Number B, Matt. Proof and price point. Uh, proof, I said 97 and for price point, I said $49. It was my second favorite, by the way. Okay. Uh, Jeremy. Um, I'll say second favorite. Also, well, B and C were kind of tied for me. Um, I said it was a one one and I'll go $40 on that one. Angel. 
I'm going uh, around the $35 range on this one. I put 93 proof, um, and it was my second favorite. Okay. And I said it tastes like a weeder. And I got so. I got walnut, light pecan, and apricot out of this one. I don't know if it's a weeder or not. But the one that you guys tasted, B, is Michter's Small Batch Kentucky Straight Bourbon. Okay. Um, this one is... A 91.4 proof. Oh. It is. It ta- it drinks hotter than 91. Yep. A lot. Is there small batch, batch number 20C365. Uh, it is $59.99. Hmm. I'll tell you, that's one of our friend Cheeky Noah Cheek's favorite bourbons. Yep. Oh, really? Yep. Mictors. Yep. I never have been super. I mean, this is good. Don't I thought it was me, delicious. This is very good. But mm-hmm. I have never been super impressed with Mictors. Um, I, I liked it. I've toured their facility like twice, two or th- two or three times, and um, every time it's just it's just kind of like meh, you know, meh. Yeah, <laughs> I, I actually enjoyed that one more than I did in, during the tastings. Mm. All right, and number C, Matthew. I said C is a ninety-three proofer at twenty-nine dollars. And it was my least favorite. Okay. Jeremy? Yeah. Least favorite also, or down there, uh, 100 proofer at 35. Okay. I uh, did not proof this. I'm going to I'm gonna put it at a 90. I'm going 93. I'm just going to 93 again on this one. I got 47.99 because normally these light shits cost a lot of money. So 47.99, <laughs> and that was my least favorite. This one is Elijah Craig. Are you Craig kidding me? Small batch. That is no freaking way. I'm so disappointed. Really? Well, we had the proof almost exactly yep. spot on. This Joel. is a 94 proof. Yep. Yeah. So it's smooth and warm, pleasantly woody with accents of spice, smoke, and nutmeg. Uh, something I wanted to point out uh, when you were talking about bee and tasting apricots, they said that there was strong dried fruits in that one, which I thought hey, was Hey, Jeremy, cool. eat a dick. Hey, Joel. <laughs> Ooh, medium burn. (laughs) Elijah Craig small batch. Now, this is a very popular go-to for people. I know in the past, like, you know, when my girlfriends have come over or whatever, um, Elijah Craig has kind of been the go-to for us from time to time. Um, Usually does not disappoint. I don't know if it was because we came off a heavy hitter of that Angels and We Finished Rye, which was super delicious. Um, Mm -hmm. But, yeah. And I... Go ahead. I will say the Elijah Craig barrel proof is significantly better than just the small batch that you yes. pick up, yep. you know, every day, in my opinion. Yep. And, and we're going to actually go into all of those, you know, for some of you that are just dabbling and getting into bourbon, we're going to talk about what is small batch, what is foolproof, what is, you know, yeah, all we, of these we, different terminologies so we, that you can learn to appreciate this nectar. That's right, baby. We got a whole episode full of this jazz for you, but I want to say guys, I like this bourbon. I've drank it a lot. And mm-hmm. it's, I don't know. Like you said, Matt, it's the order. But this, I was so disappointed in this. Mm-hmm. Um, I want you but, to go back and taste it, though. We we have to say this, too. I have to throw this out there. That, like, there are times I get certain bottles of the same bourbon that I like. And it tastes different than other batches that I've gotten. So you got to kind of pay attention to that. Like I've had Antique 107 by Weller and it has tasted completely different with the next bottle I've gotten because it's a different batch. And I'm super, I'm super shocked because I want you guys to go and taste A again because to me, like this is so 
exceptional of a flavor to me. It's like Christmas. It's so warm all, and maple-y. We all loved A. Let's a, try it again. A was our pick. I know it was your pick, but. This is, it is. This is like Christmas in an effing glass. Do you not agree? Is that not amazing? If I saw that on the shelf, I'd grab it. No question. There's so much complexity to that flavor. Oh, I like, love this one. Every Layers. step of the, the way. Layers, yeah. I am not mad about what we paid for it. Hell I no. love that. That's so good. That's Damn. a good, you know, you're sitting on the couch in front of a fire and you're going to pour a glass of that. It's smooth, it's creamy, it's maple-y. I don't care if you like if if you've never if you've never had bourbon before even though that's a that's an expensive bottle if you've never had bourbon and i poured that for you you would go mm that's yep. tasty you would like it definitely one if you're beginning it's definitely like a, a sweeter smoother did not see that coming and it was by the, the way one. did not see that coming yeah you're welcome did you give the price on uh, on uh, the Elijah Craig 32.99 I was so off. I'm not good at this price. You guys were pretty I almost close. had it nailed. I almost <laughs> had it nailed. I said twenty nine dollars. Yep. I said that went up thirty five. Yep, Jeremy went up thirty five. So Damn you it. guys did great. I loved it. These are all distilleries that Joel and I have personally visited, done tastings at, and uh, to me, all of them had um, benefits as to where to go. Angels Envy by far was the best tasting experience. Oh, hands down. Um, but you know, at the same time. Michter's was pretty awesome as well. Like when we went there, we were able to create a cocktail that was one of the best cocktails uh, ever with the shrub at the bottom. I, I personally liked it. It was okay. Um, Angel's Envy is a great, great distillery, a great tasting. And the visit to the bar afterwards is phenomenal. It's like a little speakeasy area. So that's really, you can really go back sweet. there after you're done with your tasting and all the, you know, Rick and Moreau, you go back there if you ever do go, if you're ever in Louisville and you go to Angel's Envy and you do the tasting, I highly recommend, if you want to get a, a good buzz, buy the Hunter S drink. Just go back it's there. It's seasonal. It's, they will make it for you, though. Yeah. They'll make it for you still. It is seasonal, but it's, mmm, daggum, it's good. Just one thing I want to add. You know, what got me into bourbons, you know, Joel used to drink them, and I, would, I couldn't stand the smell. But for our anniversary three years ago, we went visited the distilleries. If you ever have a chance to go to Louisville, Kentucky, hit some of these places up, um, get tasting. You learn so much about the bourbons that you start to appreciate all the notes and the flavors and what goes into them, actually seeing the fermentation process and the mash bills. And um, it really gets you into it. So if you ever have that opportunity, I highly suggest going. So anyways, on that note, Let's take a break. We're going to come back and we're going to dive into what bourbon is, where it came from, and all of the specifics. We'll see you on the other side. We are back and we are going to dive deep into bourbon 101. So first to start, what makes something a bourbon? Chime in, guys. <laughs> You're supposed to be creative. That was your explosive entry. <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to make All this. Right, guys, take it. Well, instead of, me reading it, instead of me reading it off, I thought you guys could say, oh, okay, well, well it must be produced in the United now, States. What makes something a bourbon is it has to be comprised of at least, at least 51% corn. Okay, so and that is one of them. It, 
when you say it's comprised of, that's we're really talking the mash bill, which Correct. are the grains that go into the the mash to actually, which is what gets fermented. So yeah, at least fifty one percent corn, and then new uh, charred oak barrels, right? It, yes. Aged in new charred oak barrels, yeah. And yeah. also, it must be produced in the United States to be called bourbon. You cannot go in Ireland and have fifty one percent corn in new American charred oak barrels and still call it a bourbon it has to be produced in the united states and it cannot have anything added to it so reason jack daniels is not a bourbon is because they filter it through charcoal before they put it into barrels and Mm -hmm. that adds flavor to the to the what they call the white dog before it actually goes into a barrel so that's why it's, it's a whiskey and not a bourbon. Yeah, so all whiskeys are not bourbons, but bourbons are whiskeys. So bourbon is a little bit more fine-tuned. Now, a typical myth that a lot of people misconstrue, and actually, uh, Josh, on our last um, 22 and 2 segment, our last episode, um, answered the question, a lot of people think in order to be considered a bourbon that it needs to be produced in Kentucky, and that's false. You know, 51%, at least 51% corn, new American oak charred barrels, and produced in the United States. Yeah, because there's, I mean, we got a, we got a great, down in Matt's, down in Matt's neck, neck of the woods, a great distillery, Chattanooga whiskey. Uh, their yep. bourbon is fantastic. Yep. And one other tidbit of information is that those barrels cannot be used again for bourbon. A lot of those barrels are shipped, and it's become very, very popular for them to ship them overseas to be used in um, scotch. scotch and other types of spirits, but um, can't use it again for bourbon. Fun fact, uh, Watson's Barrel-Aged Syrup, which we've all had, they use those barrels to age their maple syrup for up to a year, and then they bottle it after it's been in that uh, bourbon barrel for a year. And it's yeah. so good. Baby. So, it's you know, very good. bourbon started out, you know, decades ago, it was something that everybody kind of turned their nose up at, and they would say, oh, that's just grandpa's drink, you know, and now it has become such a craft um such a craft thing for people. It's very, very popular. The, the barrels, once they are used, um, for distilling high demand for that, because right now you've got the craft beer sectors, which are wanting those for bourbon barrel aged beers. You've got the maple syrup people using them. You've got people, sauces, um, people make a sauces out of yeah, them with the barrels, barrel aged, um, sauces and stuff. You know, once something like an Elijah Craig barrel and you've emptied it and you've bottled your bourbons from that and all the residual flavors from those barrels, you put something else in there and it's going to pick up all of those flavors. So very high demand for that. Um, something else that I wanted to talk about was um, the liquid cannot be distilled more than 160 proof. And then it goes into the barrel at no more than 125 proof. That was something that Matt, maybe, maybe you can shine some light on this. Um, and I thought I, I wasn't um, aware of what she was talking about. Because it can't go in the barrel higher than 125, but that shit comes out higher sometimes. There's, what, yeah, there's 130. Yeah, I was wondering about that too, because there's 130s, 135s mm-hmm. on the shelf. Up to 140. That's because yeah. you lose a certain amount of, of the whiskey while it's aging in the barrel, either to evaporation, if it's high enough in the rickhouse, or some of it just gets absorbed into the wood. And That's there's true. actually slang terms for both of those as well. We'll get into those Called later. The angel share. Yeah, angel <laughs> share and the devil's cut. <laughs> But I mean, but so when when it's in the barrel, and I know I know as the longer it sits, the so you you put it in the barrel, it's full. The longer it sits in there, the more empty the barrel gets. 
Yep. Which is why it gets more expensive because there's less bourbon, there's less whiskey in that barrel when they pull it out, the longer it sits inside there. But what makes but it higher proof? So is that what it is? Is the water concentration that's coming out of the bank is, is getting out, so it's just getting more constant. Exactly. <laughs> it's getting exactly. more concentrated. So so it, it would be safe to say like your your older bourbons are generally higher proofed? Not necessarily, because a lot of times they will which we'll get into that later, they will a lot of companies, what the heck was that? A lot of companies pull, when they pull it out, they cut their bourbon. So it may come out at like 130 something proof, but they may cut mm-hmm. it down to like 90. They're adding water so to it. So they add water to it. Yep. Okay. So um, in order to be called straight bourbon, they must be aged for at least two years. Um, if a bourbon is aged less than four years, the label has to have an age statement. It has to say aged for three years, aged for two years, aged for four years. Um, if And a lot of the times, you know, the higher they go, they're going to be age stated. They're going to say this is a 10 year, whatever. This is a 12 year, whatever. Because a lot of them are proud of that. But if there is no age statement, it is safe to say that it is likely aged for four years in the barrel. Have y'all ever noticed that younger bourbons seem to like be like almost like, you know, kids going through puberty like they're just like like kind of like millennials well they're kind of hot and you know and they don't they don't they don't have they, they don't have a lot wait going a on wait a second oh, wait a second what are you wait, saying wait, no. Right no no you said the no, bourbon, no, kind of hot. Wait, wait, wait. They're kind of hot. No, they're all hot and bothered. No, no, I don't mean it that. Oh, shit, I don't mean it like that. I'm saying like teenagers going through puberty are hot. No, shut the hell you up. Have to turn that off. The bourbon is hot. Oh my god, Stacy, have you caught him shopping on Wayfair for cabinets? Freaking a man, you, you gotta start over. No, just leave it. In. You have to start over. That was no, so wrong. <laughs> no age statement. That's so bad. <laughs> Dude, really, I've got to cut it. Start over somewhere. I really had to start over. No, we're keeping all that in because that was gold. <laughs> okay. No, what I'm trying oh, to say. What he I'm, does what not. I, he's what not I, saying what he's trying to what say. What I'm trying to say is, is that you know you got. Freaking! I should never have gone down this freaking analogy. They're, <laughs> an, they're angry. They're angry. They get mad at you for no reason. You know, they got they got a lot of emotions. They're hipster. Uh, no, I'm not even going there. They got a lot of emotions. I feel like young bourbons, like two years old. They just they're just like that. They're just they got a lot going on, but not a lot to show for it. Insert yeah, crash I, I and think burn. There's like a. There's a sweet spot in the age, in my opinion. It, you know, I've said before on this show that older is not always better, but I think that like eight, eight to twelve years, in my opinion, is where you hit that like prime mellow age yes. for bourbon. Yeah. So if it's younger than that, then you can you can usually taste like a young bourbon bourbon because it's got that kick that you're talking about. You know, it, it tastes mm-hmm. like a young whiskey. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then if you get much older than that, it starts tasting real woody. So yeah. no, I agree. Opinion. But, but that doesn't mean that those, those young, like the, the, the younger bourbons, you know, around below eight years old, aren't fantastic. You know, aren't that, that don't have a lot of complexity to it. There's sure. There's more mm-hmm. than going to them. So I'm going to try to jump out of this freaking rabbit hole. Let's get into history of bourbon. So, <laughs> Um, honey, do you want to lead us in so I don't talk anymore about? I'm just curious. Pre-pubescent. Yeah. So the history of bourbon. There's bourbon. so many. There's 
there's so many different stories. There are different stories of the creation of bourbon. There's myths behind it, um, how bourbon got its name. You know, there's there's several different stories out there. Not quite sure which one is the correct one, but um, would love to hear y'all's thoughts. Well, I think this is what's so great. I mean, every good bourbon has a good story behind it. And that's what is good about, I feel like, the bourbon industry. And I feel it's the same thing with the history of bourbon. You know, they talk about the how was bourbon created the, there's a lot of different things a lot of different uh, opinions out there my favorite opinion and i think the most popular is actually modeled off of a, a bottle we had tonight uh sir elijah craig um people call him the father of bourbon they say that so let me back it up and you guys can jump in anytime so I have always heard, and it's hard to fact check this stuff because there's really nothing to say about it, but I've always heard that bourbon is was called bourbon because there was a French family that helped found the town, um, Bourbon County, that their last name was Bourbon, and they helped found the town where bourbon was discovered. And there's mixed things on that as well because I have read that, but also... Um as prevalent as bourbon was in Kentucky at the time, a lot of people in Louisiana were drinking bourbons and that's actually where the Elijah Craig story comes from. And we'll get to that later. Um, I thought they were drinking cognac. Uh, no, from what I read was that the name could have potentially came from the fact that people in Louisiana off of bourbon street were Uh, drinking this fine spirit and it was named bourbon from there. So there's no telling, but the whole, the whole point of uh, bourbons reaching well, Louisiana well, was through Sir Elijah Craig. Sir Elijah Craig, and the story behind that is that he stored, he wanted, he he was trying to figure out how to sell his moonshine, his whiskey, and how to, he was like, well, it's too expensive to run it up north, you know, and put it on cart, you know, a you know a cart or a train, you know, because it's like so cumbersome. He goes, they got the idea, let's let's throw it on a boat. Let's send it down to New Orleans, and we'll sell it that way. Well, we got to have something to store it in, you know. And besides making tons of bottles, so they uh, he got some barrels, and apparently the barrels had gotten charred by accident uh, in a fire. And the guy who was, you know, had the barrel seller was like, "F it, fill it up anyways. Don't tell him." And by the time it made the six month, seven month journey down to New Orleans, it. Uh, had aged and soaked up all that charred color and toasty and toastiness. That toasty color. Um, so, so they all want the French were like, we want more of this red whiskey, the red whiskey. Is that my French accent? So he, Elijah Craig is the first, he's the (laughs) pioneer. He's the pioneer for, you know, distilling and aging in actual charred barrels. So fun. Am I right? So I want to, uh, well, no. So, So they say, yes. So apparently, History-wise, in 1783 is when shit really started going down with bourbon, all right? And there was, from what I have researched, the Samuels family was one of the first families to really be setting up a distillery. Um, Elijah Craig came later with his distillery. He was making whiskey, but an actual full-fledged distillery, one of the first families was the Samuels family. And I have never heard of Samuels. At all. And apparently, um, in 1840, um, they they did not do it commercially. But the Robert Samuel, the founder of it, he burnt the secret family recipe. 
And so it, there's no, you, you can't, like, it's only in the mind. It's been passed down from generation to generation to generation. And what is, and in 1943, after breaking uh, prohibition, Bill Samuel Sr., oh, that's when he burned it, 1943, I'm sorry. Um, he wanted to create a bourbon without bitterness. And so he did. And this day it is called Maker's Mark. Oh, so, and it is not bitter. So even though Maker's Mark is not the oldest distillery around, the family lineage is one of the is the oldest family living lineage of uh, bourbon makers. How about that? And that's also another distillery that we have been really, to. really thought I was going to get a lot more like uh, out of you guys off that one. <laughs> I don't know. The, I, I'm always a little bit hesitant on the crazy bourbon stories and the history, just because it it's. I don't know, a little bit of critical thinking, I guess, is just that they're they're trying to sell you something, right? They're trying to come up with a good story to help them sell their bourbon to you. So that's why I think it's probably so disputed who came up with it first and yeah. hard to nail down because everybody wants to be able to say that they were the first. Just right? be gullible like me, Matt, and go, that's a great story. They're right. Oh, you know? <laughs> Coming from the guy that does the <laughs> whatever, what is the? The tinfoil hat, the conspiracy theories. Conspiracy theories. That's yeah. what I was looking yeah. for. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so what I'll say reg- in regards to history is this. Um, I actually read a really good book. It's been a couple of years ago now. It's called Bourbon, The Rise, Fall, and Rebirth of an American Whiskey by Fred Minnick. And there's, there is an audiobook version of it on Audible, not sponsored. It's just a good book. If you're into bourbon and you want to learn more about the whole history, it's been so many years since I listened to it at this point. I need to go listen to it again just so I can fact fact check joel but yeah <laughs> check that out uh i think you'll really enjoy listening what was the name again it's called bourbon the rise fall and rebirth of an american whiskey did they say by... rise as an r-y-e no but that would have been clever <laughs> <laughs> would have been cooler if they did the rise <laughs> that was very clever I know. we're gonna take a break when we get back we're gonna talk about different terminologies of bourbons and the different types as well See you on the other side. All right, guys, welcome back from that break. We are going to jump into a glossary of bourbon terms, the minutiae, what things mean. And this is really interesting for me because I really got into bourbon just earlier this year. Um, you know, I've been into it for less than a year now, mostly because of these two guys I'm sitting across from, Joel and Matt. Um, because they're obsessed with it and they feel like they need to share that disease with other people as we are now <laughs> sharing it with you, our listeners. Uh, once you get into it, it's a very dark road. Um, but don't worry, you have lots of friends on that road. Um, yeah. I think I my analogy illness. was, a, yes, I think you do. Um, I think my analogy is a little better than Joel's one about underage children. So <laughs> let's jump into some bourbon terms. Uh, there's a lot of different crazy things you're going to see on bottles. Um, and the first one is single barrel. What does that one mean, guys? Matt, you want to start? Yeah. So single barrel just means that the the bourbon in that bottle came from one barrel. And I think the significance there is usually 
like let's just say wild turkey 101 for an example you know every time you get a a bottle of wild turkey 101 it tastes pretty much like every other bottle of 101 you've had and the reason for that is because they've got master distillers at that uh distillery who are blending barrels from all over different rick houses to get a very specific flavor profile and so when you run into a single barrel uh it's it's usually unique because it's all from just that one barrel. Yeah. So it's not like other stuff has been blended in to reach a specific uh, flavor destination or anything like that. So that came from that one single charred oak barrel. And now what you were talking about with the Wallet Turkey 101, that would be considered like a small batch because it's blended? No. So small batch is another un- unregulated term. Let's let's talk a little more about single barrel and then mm-hmm. let's move into small batch. Yeah. So, thing, okay. Oh, sorry, go ahead. Well, I was going to say so one of my, one of my like one of my favorite single barrels that I like first got into when I was getting into single barrels was Ma- Maker's Mark Private Selection. And what you see out of the their their single barrels is a lot of times there'll be like the distiller's private selection or this person's private selection or you even go to your your local uh, uh, liquor store and sometimes they will get a, their own private selection and so when what they've done is they've gone through and they've tasted individual barrels and they go I want that barrel you know and so that's been their private selection single barrel that all their bottles were were uh, filled up with and a lot of them like that that's there's so much uniqueness to a single barrel that you know it's when you get something that's in a single barrel you're never really going to fully get a, a bourbon that tastes just like that bottle didn't you guys go on a maker's tour like a year or two ago and you put your name on like your own barrel and stuff? Isn't that something you can do? So we did do that. We went to makers and, and what we did with that one is it's going on just one of their normal batches. Okay. Um, the possibilities are endless though, when you get into these private selections. So when we went on the tour, um, you know, they've got the metal bands that go around the staves. The staves are those wooden, um, the single wooden pieces that go all the way around the barrel lids, um, to, yep. to make the barrel. Um, when you get into the private selections, people can come in like a liquor store could come in or, you know, like a business could come in and say, okay, I want to make my own private selection and they get to choose, you know, white Oak or maple or all these different stave combinations. You could say, okay, I want three of these staves and four of these staves. And it's almost like a recipe, like a rub recipe. They get to choose what all those staves are, which in return, creates a different flavor profile. You know, if you've got more of this oak and you've got more of this, you that's, know, type of that's wood, right, that's right. it's a recipe. So when you go to a store and you're picking up something that is a single barrel and you fall in love with it, sayonara, you're not going to find it again. That's what I was going to say. A single barrel can be a blessing and a curse and not just because the bourbon may be good and it may not be good, but also if it's something you love, you're you're probably never going to get to taste it again unless you got multiple bottles from that same barrel. Yeah. And that's kind of a bummer, but it can also work in your favor. So I'd say like Blanton's is a very popular uh, bourbon that a lot of people like. 
but every bottle of Blanton's that you come across is a single barrel, regardless of if it's a store pick or not. And the first time I tried Blanton's, I hated it. And I'd tell you, last night I tried it again, and I loved it. So I'm going to like <laughs> ration this bottle that I've got because I'm never going to be able to try another you're one. Gonna get a, you're going to get a dropper. Barrel. And that's the a thing. A dropper drops some drops on your tongue. <laughs> yeah, <exactly. laughs> and like you said, it's a blessing and a curse. So yeah, you find something you like, you're not going to find <clears> it again. The blessing about it is, though, that the possibilities are endless. Like there's always going to be new creations and new recipes and new single barrels and small batches that are going to come out that make the whole bourbon world so interesting. Now I will say, I will say that, um, makers is one, they're kind of exclusive to that stave, you know, uh, recipe you're talking about. Cause so they'll do their normal aged period in a charred oak, new charred oak barrel. And then they will take that and they will finish it in a barrel for a few months. I think it's nine months um, with the staves you select, which gives it the private selection. So when is that um, that barrel that you guys chose, when is that one going to be ready? Five years, five more years. It's already been going for two years. Um, it's really cool. You can sign up on makersmark.com and you can become a part of their ambassador program and get your own barrel with a plate on it named for you know, after you guys and, um, they send you updates. They give you the batch or the barrel number. Um, they give you updates on your barrel. Occasionally they send little gifts around Christmas time. You know, yep. they sent like a Christmas ornament. They've sold Joel, sent Joel like a pair of dress, dress socks. Oh, they're nice. Maker's make bottles on them. them. Um, really cool program. So in five years, what can happen is they only allow <laughs> each person, I think to buy four bottles out of your barrel, but you could bring as many people as you want whenever they, um, start to bottle that. So we could bring like family and friends and everybody could buy a bottle or two or whatever from that barrel. So hopefully the Rick house doesn't burn down. That's right. Knock on, knock We're, waiting. We're waiting. We're excited about that one. Moving on. Small batch. Small batch. So small batch um, typically is 24 barrels or less. Oh. Nope. That's no. what I read. Where did you read that? Um, I know bourbon.com. <laughs> so okay no this is actually a good point because it we were talking about this a little bit in the break and small batch is an unregulated term so the problem is that different distilleries define small batch differently yeah they said it's typically 24 or less this this website says 10 to 50 so so george dickel anything that's labeled george dickel and small batch is approximately 10 barrels oh. but like will it uses 12 barrels and then Jefferson's uses 2,400 bottles. So that's my point point there being that everybody sort of defines it on their own. It's not like a government regulated term. Yeah, no, definitely not. Um, What I had read, it said it typically is. There's a lot in the bourbon world where we were talking about on the break. That's not like a regulated term, you know, Mm. it's it's loose. And that's what's, again, I'm going to go back. This is what's so great about bourbon. It's like, it's just all over the damn place, you know, with, with stories and myths and legends and this and that, but small batch is what it is. It's, it is what it says it is. It's a small amount, which a lot of times you'll see bourbons <laughs> that are expensive, you know, that are, you know, a real high whistle pig. That's a, that's a small batch bourbon. I've never had whistle pig. That is, I feel like it's only expensive because it's a small batch. Yes or no. 
small means different things to different people. So I don't know. true. <laughs> like Joel, small means one thing to you, but it means a much larger thing to me. So, well, you know. I, I know it does because, you know, like what's small to me is large to you, you know, in penis sizes. <laughs> <laughs> See, you almost had it. I know. But then you make it a medium burn. <laughs> okay, okay. Small batch is a tough one. So next up is barrel proof. So what does barrel proof mean? Barrel proof is going to be exactly what it says it is. The proof it is when it comes out of the barrel, which means it's no cut, no 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 adjustment at all. They put that in there. Whatever many years they put it in, whatever it comes out of that barrel. It is what it is. It could be 138 proof. It could be 114 proof. It just depends yep. on what it does inside the barrel, which can be fluctuated with how high it is in the rickhouse or how low it is in the rickhouse as well. Yep. Just based on how much that uh, water has evaporated out or been lost in the process. And so those, those, in, in comparison, what does foolproof mean? I know that's something we talked about in the mm-hmm. break and, yeah, and kind of got some clarity on. It is confusing. Yeah. And it's and, and not that we... You, are I don't say this is an exact fact, but from what we have found and what we have been talking about is foolproof is whatever the bourbon goes in, they will cut it back down to that proof when it comes out. That's what we have gathered from this. So, you know, they say bourbon cannot go into the barrel any higher than 125 proof. But if it goes in, like Jeremy, like you were saying, at 115 proof and then comes out at like 127, they may cut it down to that 115 and call it a foolproof bourbon. It was the foolproof that it went in, foolproof when it comes out. Yep. But, and and those tip in the barrel proofs, going back to that, typically is a, tends to be on the higher end spectrum um, as far as price points go. Am I, y'all, y'all feel me on that? Yeah, because they get fewer bottles out of it, ultimately, right? If you water it down, you can uh, uh, stretch that barrel out a little bit more. And I feel in your bourbon journey, uh, at least for mine, those those barrel-proof bourbons, those those ones that are a little higher proof, uh, even if you cut it with a little bit of water on your own, they tend to have like a lot more flavor, so much more depth, so much more depth to the to the uh, the bourbon itself. Like yep. I, we got into a bottle of uh, the 2019 Booker's um, over the weekend for our anniversary trip. <clears throat> it was uh, the the Beaten Biscuits batch. Sun. <laughs> so good. When you popped the bottle, you saw the poof, little angel share come out of that thing. Hey, guys. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? And it, but no, like, it, it, and when you would smell it, and you smell it, it smelled like dough. There was a doughy sent to it. Oh, so I'm excited so for you guys to try that one. Damn good. Um, it's it's incredible. I can't like, stop thinking straight about up it. Incredible. And it was a what? 129 proof. Damn. What was it? 126. I don't know. Where are they? They're downstairs. I had to hide them. So I wouldn't drink anymore. That's right. Y'all were bougie <laughs> as hell over the weekend. We what? indulged. Dude, we saved so much money on the Mexico trip. We're just like, yeah. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> yeah. Not <laughs> anymore. Not yeah. anymore. And my brother loves to collect, you know, exquisite bourbons and stuff like that. So he brought some and, you know, it was a lot of fun. All right. Let's get into this one. Uh, bottled and bond. Now, this actually is a legally binding term with very specific requirements, unlike the terms we've been talking about. Mm-hmm. Right. Um, which, do you guys want me to read through the definition of what exactly bottled and bonded is? Please. Yeah. Do it. Get after it. 
Um, the liquor must be produced in one distillation season by one distiller at one distillery. It must have been aged in a federally bonded warehouse under the U.S. government supervision for at least four years and bottled at 100 proof. And the bottles, the bottles label must identify the distillery where it was distilled at, and if any, and if different, where it was bottled. Only spirits produced in the United States may be designated as bonded. Really? Yep. So the big thing with bottled and bond, so in the late 1800s, distillers were up to some funny business and they were watering stuff down or, yeah, or yeah. coloring stuff with like tobacco. And well, long story short, you just weren't sure what you were getting. And so the bottled and bond act came in in the late 1800s and it was just a, like a means to, to like an assurance. This is, this is at least up to these standards. Yes. So as a as a consumer, you knew what you were getting. It's like the Better yeah. Business Bureau of bourbons. So it was the yeah. the Bottle and Bond Act of eighteen ninety seven. Yep. Ah, that part I, I remember. I remember remembered hearing about that, but it wasn't just tobacco that they were coloring it with. It was actual spit, the juice, yes. the juice from the spittoons they were pouring into. This stuff and they and back then, you, this guy's going down the road in this freaking cart and he sells you this bourbon and he's, you know, you buy it. Homeboy is gone by the time unless you crack it right then. You get mm-hmm. home, and you're like, what the frick is this? You know, yeah. And you're not drinking it in public too because back then too they, uh, correct me if I'm wrong, you know, you get they were you were getting in trouble for it. Was that near the prohibition time? Prohibition was eighteen twenty nine. I don't think so this was after that. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Uh, um, no, no. The Bottle and Bond Act was before Prohibition. Um, okay. But like when they implemented this, people were just taking like the straight up white dog and coloring it and selling it as, you know, h- high dollar whiskey and stuff. <sighs> okay. All right. The so Bottle and Bond. I actually, well, I, that, I know uh, some people didn't like it, but the, did you try the Dickle? Jeremy? No, we're we're waiting for you so we can try it on air. I want to try Joel's dickle douche Joel's dickle juice on air. <laughs> I've got a bottle juice. that I haven't even opened yet, so I'm waiting <laughs> to. I haven't even tried it's it. It's a I'll mouthful s- trying to say that. Yeah, I know, right? <laughs> Stacy Stacy needs to get a pour uh whenever we do that. But um it's not nothing great. It's just different. You know the way saying? you hyped it up, it better be just well only because if we're calling awesome. it my dickle juice, am I hyping it up? But no, it's it's just a little bit different. It's smooth. It's it's not the heavy caramels and richness that you get out of other stuff. So, anyways, moving on. Allocated. This is something that uh, I don't think a lot of people know about. Uh, Matt, you want to jump in on some allocated bourbon? Sure. There's just some bourbon that is in limited supply, whether that be uh, just because there's uh, not enough of it to go around or because it's artificially limited just to increase demand and price. But allocated bourbon is stuff that's typically, it'll be rarer bottles Mm -hmm. that are sent out to stores based on the volume of the lower tier stuff that that store sells. So your Blanton's, I mentioned Blanton's earlier, that's an allocated bourbon. So you only see it on the shelves a couple of times a year, typically. And when you do, because they uh, a certain store might only get like two or three bottles of it. In most states where prices aren't regulated, I know that some of us 
don't have the luxury of living in Oregon, cheeky, where the, the yeah, screw you, Noah. <laughs> <laughs> but the store owner is sort of free to to jack the price up on that stuff because he only gets a couple of bottles. He knows people are looking for it, and he can charge whatever he wants because he knows he's going to be able to get it. So allocated right. bourbon's harder to find. And it's also it's not regulated either. It's store to store whether a store wants to sell you one per customer or they can come in and just grab a case of it. Yeah, right. And which has actually become a problem here as of today, you know, a, um, I think it was a store pick Michter's, I'm sorry, not Michter's old Forrester, um, came out. I, th- I forgot what the proof was, but a few cases went to McScrooge's and, you know, they put it out on our Knoxville bourbon society group. And some people went in there and walked out with a few boxes of them. And then everybody else on there was pissed because, you know, chances are it's someone's going to jack the price up and sell it. And then all the bourbon lovers that couldn't make it out until later in the afternoon now cannot get a well, to enjoy. Well, you know, and it's- the, the, j- just real quick, the, <laughs> the hardcore bourbon drinkers on this page, they want you to, they want to be able to crack it open and enjoy it. They don't like seeing people buying 10, 15 bottles of something and storing it in a cabinet. Yeah. yeah, they say that it ruins the industry. Crack it open, share it, taste it, whatever. And so they're seeing these people buy huge amounts and then just stocking them. Well, it's kind of like that stupid, you know, unwritten rules in baseball where oh, it's got a three zero pitch and you can't crack a you know grand slam homer off there. Oh yeah, let's yeah. you know right it's, sports it's, ball. Yeah, but but <laughs> no, it, it, it's kind of like an unwritten rule. Like if you're a, a liquor store and you get a shipment in, you and it's limited supply. Get a limited for your customers. Uh-huh. And I like that because then we are getting the opportunities typically to have a nice variety in our house. And I'll say like around here, I think you guys probably have a little bit of this with Bob's, which is your local place that you go to that I just, I, that I've heard you talk about. Yeah. But if you develop a relationship with your liquor store owner or the person that's usually manning the counter and typically that especially hard to find stuff will be back behind the counter. Yeah. They're saving it for their regular customers. Mm-hmm. And so that's actually I, how I, I just like snagged um, the 1792 foolproof. I actually went into Bob's and talked to Brittany. Um, I went there for Blanton's that had came out. I had gotten word that they had received a couple cases of that. And so just talking to her about the podcast and stuff, I said, you know, do you have anything else that's been allocated here recently? And she goes, you know, we only got two cases of the foolproof 1792, which they only get once a year. And I said, well, do you have any? And she said, I've got one bottle left in the back if you want it. So, of course, I snagged that thing. Yeah. So, you know, I'm, I'm, I am slowly becoming a bourbon collector. Okay. I have got an obsession. <laughs> I can't say no. I've been putting them away because this new kitchen that we're building, off to the side, we've got this nice little bourbon area. Okay. And I want those cabinets to have some nice selections. 9, 10, 11. I got 11 bottles just here in my kitchen, not counting what's downstairs right now, guys. Let's go! The, the more impressive thing is that you haven't already drank all those. I know. <laughs> oh, no, every, every one of them are cracked. They're all Don't cracked. We but, do have, I do have some put off to the side that are unopened. 1792, Blanton's, a Weller. Um, and I scored a uh, 2020 um, Boston Batch Booker's last bottle they had when I was in Asheville over the weekend. Um, go ahead, Jeremy. Oh, uh, what our listeners probably don't know is that you like to drink from what you call God's Glen Karen, which is just straight from the bottle. You just <laughs> put it right up to your lips and start chugging. <laughs> they're my um, bottles. I'll do what I want. That's we're impressed. <laughs> they're, they're big sips, Jeremy. <laughs> I got to get that Kentucky chew. Uh, real quick, finishing up allocated. Well, 
Yeah, go ahead. I want to finish up allocated real quick. This is how strict they are on on allocated bourbons. Um, I have been at distilleries, Buffalo Trace, who makes Blanton's, for instance, where they were bottling they were bottling it right in front of me, and I go I wanted to buy a bottle of Blanton's. They would not let me. They're like, "All oh, this is accounted for. We're sorry." Yeah, couldn't even yeah. buy it straight from the distillery. I mean, I'm so, there. Yeah, we were actually walking by the people who were hand putting on the labels, hand putting on the corks with the little horses on them, mm-hmm. uh, putting the nettings on them, putting them into boxes, and yet we couldn't even get our hands on them. So. And the reason for that is they distribute the allocated stuff based on the volume that that store does of like regular Buffalo Trace. So if that store sells a lot of regular Buffalo Trace, they're more likely to get like the Eagle Rare, the Weller, the, you know, the other higher end stuff. Yes. Speaking of higher end. Uh, Yeah. Something that I wanted to talk about was what makes a bourbon expensive versus, you know, lower priced. Well, I think from right off the bat, you got the time in the barrel. Um, you got the time in the barrel and how sought after is it? You know, if you've got a new company that, well, even new companies now, they'll, they will price their stuff high just to make it look like it's a hard to get bourbon. And even with like bourbons, it's not like tickle me Elmo. If someone goes out and like <laughs> rapes the shelves and it gets cleared out, you can go and produce as many tickle me Elmos that you want. But like bourbon takes years. Jeremy, do you remember that, the Tickle Me Elmo boom? Or are you too young um, for that? My, my children have a Tickle Me Elmo. I just think it's disturbing that both of you have like these really weird analogies tonight. <laughs> 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 yeah, you know, prepubescent kids and a Tickle Stop. Me Elmo. It Tickle Me Elmo's. <laughs> Stop. Anyways, yeah. I mean, it's just, you know, the small batches and the single barrels obviously are going to be more expensive because they're more rare. Harder to get yep. your hands on versus a Wild but, Turkey 101 or a Maker's Mark. Matt, were you going to say something? I was just going to suggest that maybe some of that's done on purpose. I think that, you know, especially places like uh, Buffalo Trace will intentionally, at least this is my perception, they'll intentionally limit how much of a particular product is out on the market so yes. that it can command higher prices. And I think that we've seen like the MSRP on some of this stuff slowly creep up, especially over the last like five years or so. Yeah, man. And I, I agree because we had a bottle and I don't know the price point. I know it was over a hundred dollars. Um, my brother-in-law got a, um, a bottle and it's supposedly people in saying it's the bourbon of 2020. Um, not like the envelope bourbon, Jeremy, but this stuff is, um, it's, it's a bourbon called Bardstown. Um, Matt, I'm sure you've heard of it. And what, Chateau de Lombardé. Yeah, I can't say. It. Can you say that in French for us, Jeremy? They're. F- I don't. I don't know what you're trying to say. Okay. So, so no, I can't. <laughs> We're just over here. <laughs> they're finished in, and yeah, some f- weird freaking barrel. But anyways, it's it's it was highly sought after. I mean, like really hard to find. He just happened to have a connection, got a bottle, brought it up to our for our anniversary. We cracked it. Smelled amazing. Very rich. Very dark cherry color. Yeah, very dark. And but we we took a sip of it, and it's good. It was it's, really good. It's great. And even I, I even said to him, he was he. It's his bourbon. He's like, I just. He goes, man, I just wasn't at it. That Booker's was so much better. And don't, yeah, it was definitely delicious, but the. Booker's beaten biscuits was but, next level. But he was he was saying, you know, and I said, well, you know, I'll, I'll start, I'll start you saying if this was a fifty dollar bottle, you've been super impressed. He was like, yes, 
if it's a fifty dollar bottle, this has been like, oh, this is a this is a great pick. But because it was so pricey, he wasn't as impressed with. It. So just because it cost a, a bunch of money doesn't make it, you know, the bee's knees. Well, look at old For Granddad sure. one fourteen. Yeah, you know, this is a less than thirty dollar a bottle, and that is one that you know we'll talk about later. But that's one I'm throwing in a decanter, and I'm feeding my guests. Delicious. I, I would I, proud I, it, but. I think after that tasting, we all went out and bought a bottle of that because it was yeah. such an amazing deal. Mm-hmm. And, like, and you know, when you're scoping the shelves and there's all these sexy bottles and labels and ones that really appeal to the eye and the marketing, and you look at that one, it looks like a cheap one. But I put it up against some of the, the big hitters. Mm-hmm. 100%. Um, so one way, you know, something that I wanted to talk about with actually one of our friends in the industry, um, Noah from Pit Barrel, you know, he gave us some tips on how to find really good finds um, in yeah. the bourbon uh, and the I bourbon do, I do this. Uh, this is a practice for me. So, so what he said when we were in Louisville, um, we were visiting their headquarters, their warehouse. He said the best places to find some of the rare bottles and the allocated bottles are in the smaller parts of town or the um, less fortunate areas of town because they are they are given allocated bottles. And typically in that demographic of those areas, they're not, people aren't going in and spending 70, 80, $90 on a bottle. They're going in and getting the cheaper stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, so they tend to sit there on the shelves and get dusty. Whereas in some of the, you know, bigger cities and stuff like that, when the, the nice bottles hit the shelves, people are scooping them up quickly. Um, you go into these smaller liquor stores that are just off the beaten path. Chances are you go in there, you're, you'll be able to find an allocated bottle. Every hunting season. I go down, we, we hunt in this uh, little small town on uh, Jackson, Tennessee, and I go by the same liquor store every November, and I guarantee you I find a bottle of Weller in there. And it, mm. and, and, and I'm talking like a 1.75 or something like that, and I get it for like 35 bucks. Mm-hmm. Wow. Do you know what I'm saying? It's, just mm-hmm. it's every time I go in there, and it's got dust on it. <laughs> you yeah. know what I mean? Yeah. Like like they haven't, uh, it's like, pe- like people down there, I guess, um, just haven't figured out what that is yet because it's always there. Which could be dangerous for us because now that we have gotten a lot deeper into this and we know a lot about the bookers and, you know, the Bibb and Tuckers and the ones like that, you know, if you go down there and you see a booker sitting on the shelf, it's very difficult not to grab it. Dude, that's the, that's, that's the thing. And I, when I saw that Booker's 2020 sitting on the shelf, I didn't care that it was, you know, eighty nine dollars. I'm like, this nineteen, was coming home. this nineteen batch was so good. I'm, I'm getting it. I hope it didn't let me down. But I hope it doesn't let us down. Yeah, for yeah. sure. Mm. Next one. Let's go. Non distilling. What could, does non distilling mean? So, this is not something that's typically uh, displayed right on the label. But if you do a little bit of research, you can uh, figure it out. But there's actually. Something that a lot of brands will do when they're first starting up, because like you guys said earlier, it, it takes years to produce bourbon. And so what a brand will do is they will source their bourbon or their whiskey from one of the big guys. So the big ones that that uh, provide uh, you know, the actual whiskey for some of these new brands are like MGP in Indiana is a big one. And another yeah. one is George Dickle here in Tennessee. But say like Reload wanted to start like a bourbon brand, which you guys should consider. I can't believe we haven't talked about this before. <laughs> uh, no, black wax. You could, you, you could have a hundred percent support from my end. <laughs> <laughs> would you be an ambassador for us? Yeah, <laughs> I, I would do that for a very small amount of money. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. 
<laughs> so theoretically, Reload starts a bourbon brand. Uh, it would take you, you know, at least four years to be able to have product that you're actually able to put out that you distilled because it has to age. So what you might do in that four years while you're waiting is go to George Dickel and say, hey, you know, this is kind of what I'm looking for. And they could provide some, you know, samples to you and say, we could get you a thousand barrels of this. And you could just source that basically wholesale from them yes. and then white label it as reload bourbon and put it out on the shelves. And okay. technically at that point, you would be a non-distilling producer. Okay. So, but it's basically the same juice, like equate ibuprofen versus Advil? It depends. Or how so- do they change it up? Uh, it just depends. It depends on the, there, I think there are agreements in place where certain NDPs, non-distilling producers could go to the distiller with a very like specific mash bill and like recipe. And the, the distiller would actually follow that to the non-distilling producers guidelines. So it just depends. Okay. So for instance, Sweeten's Cove is Peyton Manning's, um, bourbon, yeah. which I actually saw setting on the shelves over there at Bob's, uh, price tag on that's pretty hefty. It's $199 a yeah. bottle. Um, Ooh, yeah. they're I asking have, 250 for it at my place. Okay. It's Peyton Manning though. Come on. It's guys. Peyton Manning's, uh, bourbon. It's aged 13 years. It's a 13 year, year bourbon. Um, but anything that I've heard about it is it's dickle it's, juice. It's dickle juice. And that's why I originally said that on the show weeks and weeks ago is because you've got to kind of do a little bit of homework to find out where this, especially when you see a new brand pop up, it's like, okay, who's actually making this? And nine times out of 10, it's either MGP or George Dickel. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, and, you know, you think, oh, Peyton Manning's bourbon, you know, you got to snag it, you know, it's got to be good or whatever. And, and that the whole other topic about endorsements and stuff like that but um i bet if you uh cross the tennessee state line that drops by like 50 percent in price yeah i bet you're right but i'll say this if you're researching and you see something that is mgp mgp has good stuff yeah most everything what does that stand for i have no idea multi-grain pistachios uh, I know the answer to that. Let me see. Mortgage <laughs> uh, group. Fun fun fact, after Kentucky, Tennessee, and then Indiana are the largest bourbon producing states. Mm-hmm. Ah. Well, I've got a confession to make. Whenever I didn't know I'm, Tennessee was lumped in. Sorry. Whenever I'm looking mm-hmm. for bourbons. Number two. And I look at it's the bottle. Midwest grain products. Sorry. Oh, okay. <laughs> but my confession is when I'm buying a bottle and I look at it and if I say, you know, no offense, but. If I see it's from like Colorado or Washington or something like that, like, I don't know. What the hell do they know? I'm like, I'm going to reach for the Kentucky bourbon or even Tennessee. Well, yeah. Uh, uh, yeah. Yeah. I mean, like, there's. And a, I need my the, mind changed on that. There's a nostalgia to that. I, I need my mind changed. If any of you listeners out there think there's one that I may like that's not from Kentucky, I'd love to hear about uh, it. That Stranahan's was good. I think it was technically a, a whiskey, not a bourbon. It's a whiskey, but it was yeah. all right. It wasn't my favorite. Uh, that Texas one we had tasted like glue, so not a point in their favor. <laughs> no Tejas. No Tejas for us. No Tejas yeah. bourbon. I-, I would love my mind to be changed. I, I really would. Well, I mean, why don't we do this then? Let's take a break, and on the other side, I'll plan on changing your mind. Okay. All right. We'll see you on the other, on the other side of the break.
right, guys. So we are back. We are back from the break. And as I promised, I'm going to try to change Stacy's mind. I have poured her a little nip. This is, in fact, not bourbon. But I want you to try it. Nose it. Drink it. Give me your thoughts. What am I tasting? None of your damn business. Just drink it. Tell me if you like it. Sorry, that was rude. Oh, testy. I'm going to change you to salty. <laughs> Very delicious smelling. Okay. It's probably Great. that glue. Great. Yeasty. Yes, Texas glue. Mmm. Little apple. Okay. Is it it's young? Bad. It tastes young. Joel, tell us about those adolescents again. So, guys. <laughs> Jeremy just keeps bringing it up, so I can't cut it out. I know what he's doing. <laughs> There's no cutting that out, guys. It's good. It's not. It's not Angel's Envy finished rye. I'm just not a fan of whatever this is. Let me yeah, try one more time. You, you, you've never been a fan of it. I thought I could surprise you with it. This is the Stranahan. Oh, is it? <laughs> yeah. Never really cared for it much. It's not bad. Don't get me wrong. But it's I not what I pick. I would not buy it again. I I would buy this a hundred times. I love this whiskey. Love it. <laughs> not my favorite. I like the smooth, the warm hugs. Toss it over to Matt. Matt, we got something special to do. Yeah. So I was perusing. I'm a pretty active Reddit user. Uh, I was perusing the R Bourbon subreddit, which is a cool place to read bourbon reviews and kind of see what people are talking about uh, related to bourbon. And I saw this interesting post, um, but anyway, he suggests that you only ever need five bottles of bourbon at one time, which we've already established you guys have 11 plus. I have a few more than that. Um, Jeremy, I think you're probably even over at five, over five bottles at this point, right? I'm probably over 10 at this point. Not a boy. Yeah. And so what he suggests is you only ever need five. You need one that's a daily drinker, one that you've got just to impress your friends, one that can serve as a cheap mixer. Uh, one that's something great that you might say for like a Friday night, and then one that you're saving for a special occasion. And then he goes on to list each of these five, uh, what they are for him. So what I thought would be interesting is for the the four of us to go around and say, what bourbons do we actually think would fit the bill for each of these five different categories? And maybe it would give the listeners some ideas on some stuff that they should be checking out. I'm going to be, oh, sorry, go ahead. Well, one of the things that this has kind of struck up for us was, you know, Joel and I talked about it and we need to be a little bit more strategic with our bourbons. And these categories actually make it so much easier. We can say, okay, well, these bottles are going to be the special occasions or the, you know, Friday night ones. Um, we do need something on hand for like a cheap mixer. What would, what would we like to use for a daily drinker that we would keep in stock? So I think that's so cool. Like this, this whole, um, thing to fill out is awesome. And I, and I think, I, yeah, the concept is cool for sure. And I'm mm -hmm. excited to see how many of us have the same shit on our list <laughs> from all the yeah. bourbon we've been drinking together. <laughs> so <laughs> so let's start with the first one. What what would you guys say that your daily drinker would be? Who do you want this to This is first? something you could theoretically walk into just about any liquor store and pick up. It's not hard to find. It's something you like enough where you could drink it almost every day. Put us in order. Matt, yeah, put us in order, Matt. Uh, let's go Jeremy, Stacy, Joel. And then I'll go last. Okay. So for that one, I chose Wild Turkey 101. You can Excellent. find that at any store, and it is a great, great daily drinker. I don't know why I didn't yep. think of that. That's excellent choice. I, I own, For this list, I only chose bottles that I actually have because that was realistic to me. Yeah. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I did the same thing. 
Yeah. I did not. Oh, yeah. That's okay. <laughs> Bottles you hope to get. That's okay. Stacy, what do you have? They're only a short car car ride away, Joel. Yeah. <laughs> so I'm going to ruffle some feathers here, but Joel doesn't want me to say it. Oh, come on. But it's my choice. You're, but you had two. Pick okay. One of the my other. number one would be old granddad 114. I've talked about it way too much not okay. to list it. Uh, okay. Another one that is a little bit more um, local to us is butcher's bourbon that we tried in a previous one. But um, Good one. is that an everyday drinker though? Like, could you walk into total wine and pick that up any day? Um, probably but our total local. wine. Yeah. Yeah. It was very I delicious. almost grabbed, I almost grabbed a bottle of that the other day, but it's like a $50 bottle, isn't it? Um, I don't remember. And I'm sorry, like Joel. I'm sorry. I know you didn't want me to list that, but I, I've talked about it way too much to not even be able to say that. I'm changing my answers yep. now. <laughs> Joel, what do you got for your everyday drinker? Better not be for a mixer. <sighs> Damn it. Joel, you know I'll what? go. I'll give you a chance to think about it. How about that? Yeah, because I mean like- well, I've, No, his was old granddad. It is what it is. I have several daily drinkers. I thought old granddad would be good and I wanted some diversity to it. But yes, go ahead, Matt. So mine- Everyday drinker is something you can go in anywhere and pick up and and genuinely enjoy. Maker's Mark. Regular old normal Maker's Mark. It's cheap and it's delicious. It's a good one. Go. So I don't know if this is something we've all had it. We all talked about. I don't know if this is something that is gonna is a national brand or not, but for me is a fugitive. It's a Tennessee product. Oh. Yeah. Um, I think I could have that every single day. And Old Granddad and Fugitive were always something that were, um, ne- they were neck and neck with me in the competition. Or not the competition, but as far as, you know, when, when we've had it before. But yeah. they, I found myself in the, the all the bottles we have when I kept going back to that Fugitive over and over and over. Well, my argument to that is for a daily drinker to me should be something that was affordable. Whereas like Old Granddad is... Twenty-seven to thirty dollars a bottle, where where the fugitive was sixty-two ninety-nine. Well, when for you're an everyday drinker, that could get pricey. When you're a baller like myself, <laughs> sixty-dollar bottles every day. If you want a daily Straight drinker for that? Yeah, I guess that's cool. true. We'll be well, broke. Anyways, moving Next on. Up, what do you have that would impress guests? So fancy, but not too fancy. Jeremy, what do you got? So I put down the, uh, I have a bottle of the peg leg porker, non-age specific, um, non-age stated. And I shared that with Joel and Stacy last time they came over. Um, it has a fun story to it. A great barbecue joint out of Nashville. Uh, there's something to talk about. There is a Tennessee bourbon. Um, it's a, it can be difficult to find. You, you might not be able to find it. So, but it's not crazy expensive either. So it's not the top of the shelf, but it's a, it's a really fun bourbon. Yep. That's a good one. That was a good one. Stacy. I, I have to agree with that. Um, for me, the impressure guest bottle would be Booker's. I have full confidence behind that. If I'm going to pour it for you, you're going to like it. I'm thinking if if your Booker's is your fancy but not too fancy, I'm eager Holy to see shit, what you're going to get to the end of this stuff. list. Yeah, you're right. <laughs> you just wait. Yeah. Joel, what do you got? All right. I'm going to say Weller Antique uh, 107. I think that's a great, uh, <laughs> I just I steal it. We would have had the same list, Joel. <laughs> that's okay though. Yeah. I'm going to say 107 because I think it's not too smooth. And I think the 107, Matt, like probably we just say has some complexity to it. That would make people go, mm, that's good. Yep. I think, so I used to like the Weller 12 year, the best of, of the Wellers you could actually find. Now you can't really find any of them. So that's yeah. besides the point, but the, the one Oh seven is definitely my favorite expression. I also put 1792 foolproof as a, uh, 
contender there, which I've got a bottle of that I still haven't cracked. Uh, but I think as far as like impress your guests, it's something that's only available once a year. Like you guys said, it's nice to have a bottle of it. You could, you could whip out and, and say, Hey, let's try this together. I'm excited to try the 1792 foolproof cause she just picked up a bottle here as of late. And I'm, I'm excited to, to give that a go. Mm-hmm. Yep. All right, Jeremy, what about cheap mixer? I, I, I suspect I know your answer here, but I'm eager to hear it. So this is going to piss Stacy off, but I put old granddad 114 and for a very specific reason is because I want that to be one of my five. I'm not going to mix it, but if someone else wanted to mix it, it wouldn't break my heart because it's only a $27 bottle and they're going to have a really nice stiff drink out of it. You're right. That That is a good one. And you know, how amazing would that be in an old fashioned? Exactly. It'd be very good. Mm -hmm. Okay. I'm okay with that. As long as you're not mixing it with anything. No. Um, mine, basic maker's mark. That's good. It's a good weeded. Mm-hmm. You know, I, like, I like a maker's old fashioned too. Yeah. We've used them for maker seven. So it's a smooth, it's a smooth, easy going whiskey, um, uh, or bourbon. Go. And, uh, yeah, definitely a good mixer. Um, I Joel. put, I put bullet rye. Um, I'm not a huge bullet fan, but it's like, you know, if you don't tell me what it is and I'm drinking it, it's like, okay, yeah, it's, 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 it's just kind of, it's, it's, it's all right, you know, but when I put rye specifically because the rye tends to have a spiciness to it that I think when you mix it is going to give you a little bit of extra depth. So anytime I'm doing like a, I, I want a mixer, I like to lean on a rye. I think it likes yep. to stand out. Same boat. I actually said old granddad 114 as well, Jeremy. And I also put <laughs> wild turkey 101 as a good choice. Mm-hmm. Uh, you don't, you don't want to typically mix like a, a high-end bottle into sugar and bitters and stuff like that. So something that's uh, approachable, but still high proof, definitely a good choice. All right. Something great. Something that you might only break out on a Friday night. Jeremy, what do you got? So I base this one off of how difficult it is to find this sp- specific bourbon and what I have in my, um, in my, in my, in my cabinet right now. And I put a uh, Weller special reserve. Um, I got that bottle from you, Matt, actually, and it is a difficult bottle to find and it is a great drinking bottle. Yep. Yeah, man. That's a I good, agree. good bottle. What is that? 90 proofer? 94? 93? I think it's 93. Yeah. That's a, yeah. It, that's, that's a great, that's a great bourbon. It's not crazy hot. It's a great, it's a great sip in bourbon. Yep. Stacy. Stacy. Um, my something great for a Friday night is Makers 46. That's a good, That's a good one. one. Mm, oh, yeah. <laughs> I love how Stacey, <laughs> she, she has no elaboration. No. Nope. It's just Makers 46. Yeah. Back to take you, Joel. <laughs> Back to me. Take it away, Joel. I'm going to take it. I know we've been talking about it on the podcast. Stacey mentioned it early in this uh, rundown here, but I'm going to Booker's. I've had uh, Booker's three times now, um, and I've never been disappointed. So that's something that, like, I'm at the Friday night. I got maybe, I guess maybe the guest thing would have worked out, but that's just like a special, like, man, I want to treat myself kind of a bourbon Mm -hmm. treat yourself treat yourself yellow this this one i struggled with i feel like the majority of the bourbon i have in the bunker fits into this category so actually i have four bottles (laughs) 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 i said the four that i have listed here makers private selects which i think you guys actually got me a bottle of it's just so good i love that stuff i also put blanton's into this category uh, 1792 sweet wheat, which I still haven't brought for you guys to try, but next time we get together, I'm doing it. 
And then also Smooth Ambler Old Scout Single Barrel, which you guys got me. I forgot about the Scout. That's a good Friday night one. Can I change? Yeah, you can. Impress your guests. I think Old Scout would be right up that there was deli- That's a good decanter one, too. So Matt, and you know Bob still has a few bottles of that. I saw them the other day. To, we need to get some. I would go buy every bottle they had. <laughs> yeah, Matt, so good. I'm going to scrap. I'm going to let you have Weller 107, and I'm going to go Old Scout on that one. I think cool. that I think that Old Scout would be a, a great impress your guests. All right, Jeremy, what about a bottle that you would save for a special occasion? Um, so this is a special one. Is not technically a bourbon, but I have a bottle coming in the mail, and as does uh, as does Matt right now. Uh-oh. It is a Westward Whiskey Ken Forkish collaboration bottle that I am so stoked to have. Um, and just the story behind how this bottle was made uh, is more than the sum of its parts, and I am super excited for this one. This would be like the special occasion, the story, the sit around and sip bottle that I would really, really enjoy having. Yeah, so, theoretically have a, a pour of it with some sourdough. That would be yes, that would be awesome. like with some fresh sourdough bread from yeah. Forkish. I can't wait to sit around with you and tell stories. I'm so glad and we try live it. ten minutes from you. Yes. I know. It'll be so fun, the three of us having that bourbon together. Like it'll just be amazing. Yes, yeah, yeah. Matt Matt, you're gonna make it up, right? Yeah. <laughs> Salty Stacy. Stacy, what do you got? Um, my special occasion, my special occasion (laughs) bottle is something that is a very, very difficult find. Um, I've had it only once. Um, it's made by Buffalo Trace. It's Elmer T. Lee. Dude. Dude. It's next level. It's a treasure. So our, our brother-in-law, I'll expound. My brother. I'll expound upon it. Our, yeah. Her brother. (laughs) She's not going to. Yeah. Yeah. Um, our, my, frick, I can't talk. Her brother, Steven. We were camping. He brought us uh, a bottle. Brought a bottle of that. We all had a nice pour, and it was divine. It's one of it's the best. Level. One of the best I've ever had. It's like a filet mignon of steaks, of bourbons. I mean, not steaks. <laughs> I need to go to bed. <laughs> How much Give bourbon? Me more again, bourbon. <laughs> um, yeah, it's the filet mignon. I mean, you put that in front of someone, they're gonna love it. And I personally don't have a bottle of it. I would love to get my paws on one, but. Um, I'm putting it up there. Special occasion, Elmer T. Lee. And it's that's supposedly that's almost impossible to find. So is it on me? Yeah, go go for it, Joel. Guys, I'm going strong with things you've already heard about in this podcast. Bib and Tucker. Holy shit. That was a good bourbon. It's 107 proof of all glorious liquid. So good. I don't know exactly the price point on this thing because uh, sugar pants hasn't told me, I know it was a little pricey, but it was worth it. It was kind of a, like a, a 10 year anniversary celebration for ourselves, 12 year aged. Mm-hmm. And guys, not to mention the bottle she got was, was the number one bottle. Yeah. So they have different ones. They have like the regular bib and tucker. So you're talking about the 12 year. I'm talking about the one you got me. Yes. The 12 year. Yep. It, it was so good. I mean, like it was very, delicious. you know, that viscous, how you talk about things being viscous, Jeremy? Mm, yeah. It had that. It just it was silky. It just laid and, and hung out with you for a really long time. But it was it doesn't it didn't have that high proof burn because it's only at 107, which is an odd what's an odd uh proof, anyways. So Bib so, and Tucker, if you want to spend some money, get that sucker. 
I actually have two here I couldn't decide. And these are actually bottles that I have on my shelf right now that I've been slow to open. Just, I guess, because I haven't had a good enough special occasion. But, uh, Stacy, one of those is Elmer T. Lee. <laughs> so I, I have a bottle. I just haven't cracked it yet. So I'm looking forward to trying that someday. Mm-hmm. I know what and we're going to do. And then the other one is, it's a special release from Woodford Reserve. It's from their Master's Collection. And it was made with cherry wood smoked barley. Oh, so shit. I've got that bottle. I picked it up two years ago and just How? it just hasn't felt right to open it. How? Yet. Go ahead, Jeremy. Well, Matt, you have a a big special occasion coming up in November. Mm-hmm. Which one are you gonna open? I don't know. I don't maybe both. Maybe I'll take them both. Bo- both. You, you, <laughs> you, you can mix them together and take a sip. <laughs> yeah, I'll I'll mix them both into an old fashioned and go to town, man. All right. <laughs> I, I have to before we get into uh rapid fire and reload recommends and all this stuff. I have to find out because I can't do it. I can't buy a bottle and just and not at least get a taste. I can't buy it and not crack it. How do you do that? I mean, it was hard for him as it was when we went and picked out our bottles for porn on the podcast and he had to wait over like a month. They just sat If there. I haven't ta- now, if I've tasted it before, I get it. But if I have not had it and there's some you know, a freaking build up to the bottle, like mm. this is really good, you know, whatever. I can't wait. I don't well, I, how, where how are you waiting? That's what I want to know how how mad is my waiting. My big thing is I don't I don't love just sitting and pouring a glass for myself when I'm just sitting at home alone. Yeah. I my, I think bourbon personally bourbon is best enjoyed, you know, when you're with friends. I like one of my favorite things is when I have the opportunity to bring some special bottles up to you guys and for us to all sit around and try them together. And so I just think that's a special experience. Uh, it's the way that I, I prefer to consume bourbon. I don't know. I, like, I will drink it at home alone, and I do uh, on occasion. But it's just not – I don't know. I'm not – I feel you on I'm that. Not, not the special I'm not ones. typically a patient person, but I am when it comes to bourbon. I'll say, like, I never would have gotten to bourbon if it wasn't for you guys because, like, the community surrounding it is so much stronger, you know, mm-hmm. than just, like, sitting home alone in the closet, like, chugging a bottle. <laughs> yeah. I think where it's different for Joel and I is that we have each other. Yes. For sure. So yeah. if he is cracking something open and he's taking a taste, he'll be like, even if I'm not even, like, in the mood to try have it or whatever, you got to try this. You got to smell this. Yeah. You got to try this. <laughs> you know. It's a, it, you're a couple of addicts living together. Yeah, you can't. You can, well, he's made me that way. I said. But yeah, it's it's something that you want to share with somebody. You don't want to just experience that alone. And and when you're a collector like that, you you buy them with occasions and friends in mind. That's right. Yeah, Stranahan is so, so delicious. That's cool. All right, so I, let's. That was an interesting. That was interesting experience or experiment there. I think it was cool to get some input. It was interesting, like you said, Joel, how much overlap so many of us had because we've drank so much bourbon together at this yeah. point. And you know, I think I want to throw that out to our listeners. I want to throw that out. Be on the lookout on our stories. I'm going to ask all five of those questions on our stories, and I would love for you guys to answer. I want to know what are your five. What are the five? Um, oh, yeah, that's, your, good. that's a great. Your that's daily a- drinker, impress your guest, your cheap mixer, something great and special occasion. I want your answers. Um, you know, I guess this is a good time to possibly talk about what our question of the week was last week. And that was, what should our listeners be called? We had several answers. I don't think that we have fine-tuned that yet. We haven't. 
But uh, just a few of them. Rich I'm Malloy. not satisfied. I still want to read these alive on the air, but I'm not yeah. satisfied. I'm leaving that question open-ended. I'm not satisfied yet. Yeah, Rich Malloy 3, um, he said loaders. Uh, Aaron Duty, tbsq.co, he said shot shells. Uh, Chilies and Smoke, our friend Brad Prose, said reloadies, which, you know. <laughs> like uh-huh. the Dundies? Like the, the office. The Dundies, <laughs> um, Grilling with Coda, our friend Paul, um, he said Wolfpack. I, I like that. I like that one. Yes. That is a great name for a sorority group of girls to call themselves when they go out and get martinis. That's why I like it. <laughs> martinis. I like it. And then uh, we also had one of the other ones was Mitch Auger. He said, hashtag that reload fam. So. I would I, say of I, those, that reload fam is probably my favorite. I like, I like that reload fam, but it's like, I want, I want our, our following. I want our fans to be like something like a one liner, one word. Hooligans. You know, like, you know, or, 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 or not. Reloadies. Sorry, sorry, Brad, not reloadies, but like reloadies. You know what I mean? Guys, what, what about no? I mean, I think that's a good one. <laughs> <laughs> the censorship that I'd have to do would just take way too long. I'm fixing that one right The burbers. Uh, you know, we'll, we'll, the get, burbs. we'll get there. There's going to be a name that's going to pop out and it's going to be like our kooks, mm-hmm. you know, something like that. Yeah, like the kooks or whatever. So, yeah, I'm also going to pop up the other question of the week for the five. Um, so, yeah, we're going to head over to Rapid Fire with Jeremy. Let's do it. All right, guys, it is your favorite segment of the week. The thing you've been looking forward to since we saw you last Tuesday. It is Rapid Fire Question. Since last Tuesday. <laughs> All right, guys, tonight we will go Stacy, Joel, Matt. Would you rather be feared or loved, Stacy? I would rather be feared. I want people to be afraid at how much they love me. That, that, that is actually the answer. Um, Damn. It's easy both. I want people to be afraid of how much they love me. Yep. All right, so we're going to jump to the next question. Okay. <laughs> um, <laughs> that was my office reference of the week. So Find me. Finally. finally caught it. Finally yeah. someone did it right here. Yeah. That's <laughs> what I'm talking about. I mean, shoot. Oh, crap. All right, guys. Wrong one. <laughs> Go on, Jeremy. All right, guys. Favorite non-whiskey slash bourbon alcoholic drink, Stacy. Non-whiskey or whiskey? Non-whiskey or bourbon alcoholic drink. A Moscow Mule. Okay, so vodka. Yeah. It can be a mixed drink. That's fine. Joel, is that what you're going for? No, no, no. Whatever you want. All right. Like Coke Zero. (laughs) (laughs) No. No, no alcoholic drink. Alcoholic drink, Moscow Mule. Yeah. So, I've got uh, mine is is along the same lines, but it, you, I use gin instead. So I get a very peppery ginger beer gin, and I like you know it's got to be a good gin. Like uh, what was that one? Aerospace or where can I? Aviator. Aviator. Yes, that's a great one. That's the one Ryan Reynolds just sold sold this past week, right? Yes. Very. Yeah. It's very it's really good gin. Very Clean. good gin. Not too piney. Yeah, and I'll do that. And sometimes I might get some orange bitters, sprinkle them in there. But it's it's, it's ginger beer, peppery ginger beer, preferably Gosling's, gin, orange bitters, and a splash of lime. Very good. Nice. Mm. Matt? Uh, tequila. I, I, I'm not hard to please. Just give me some good tequila. There you go. I have heard her. Rabbit hole. 
I have Go. I have so a twelve ounce can of Goslings. I have these um, rocks glass glasses that came with the decanter set I have, and I fill that up with ice. I have perfected three drinks out of um, one can of ginger beer. Now, granted, they are extremely heavy on the gin, um, but and I feel really good after. But once you crack <laughs> once you crack the can, you got to drink it all. So I mean, I have perfected the ratio. You're welcome. DM me for oh, the recipe. Thank you. Thank you. <laughs> DM me for the recipe. <laughs> Slide in. All right, guys. Would you consider a bagel to be a savory donut? Stacy. Yeah, I would consider that. Joel. I consider them to be overrated. Which one? Bagels. You Plain think ones? bagels are overrated? Yeah. I mean, I grew up on freaking bagels. I'm just... I like the flavored ones, the ones that have like the onion, the garlic, the jalapenos. No, I mean I just I what in the nose the fuck is wrong with you, man? Oh, no. Like bagels are overrated. <laughs> Matt has got his head down. <laughs> it take me so long to edit. I, I, I need to bake you some bagels. Like, come on now, some yeah. sourdough, everything seasoned bagels. Like, what? Maybe I'm missing out, but man, like I guess the bagels I had growing up, like my mom would make me stuff. I was just like, eh. I love so I didn't chew the piss out of them. Oh, the chewier, the better. Oh, yeah, the New York style boiled. Oh, that's the best. Ugh. Anyways, I forget what the question was. Ch- Matt, ch- what's your answer? Change my mind. <laughs> <laughs> I love bagels. I, to, to y'all's point, I love a bagel, but it is not just a savory donut. It's completely, the only similarity is the way it's shaped. Completely different pastry. Yeah, generally. All right, guys, what is the best number, Stacy? 13. Cool. I know you're not going to expound, so I won't even ask. Nope. Joel. 69. Hey. Hey. Don't need to expound on there. (laughs) Seven? Seven. It's actually 73. Um, It's the 21st prime number, and it's inverse 37 is the 12th prime number, and it's inverse of 12, which is 21, which, hang on to your hats, is seven times three. What? Is a long rabbit hole I went down earlier today. Don't worry about it. All right. <laughs> what meteorological meteorological event would you theme your child's birthday party after, Stacy? Oh. oh shit! Did you have another drive-up birthday party? <laughs> I did. It was themed after a meteorological event, uh, Stacy. Probably. Like, I think it'd be fun to do tornadoes. I think that would be kind of fun. Ooh, tornadoes. Joel. Tsunami. It's just a, a tsunami-themed birthday. It's crazy wave of kids and emotions. All right, Matt. Partly cloudy. Partly cloudy. <laughs> yeah, so that's the best weather. <laughs> the birthday party I went to is themed after rainbows. You guys missed that one by a mile. Uh, <laughs> I'm just going for a personal experience, Jeremy. <laughs> okay. All right, guys. What is your favorite food? That comes in a can. Stacy. That's a really tough one. Can opener was your go-to item for traveling. You better have a good answer. Is this a legit can or like something in like a tin or just whatever. Okay. Whatever whatever you want to say. Yes, sir. Being a sausage man. Stacy. Don't ruin it. You know, it's probably not gonna be my favorite, but what I can think of that I really, really like a lot in a can, because I haven't had enough time to think, is rapid fire. I would say beets. 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 Battlestar Galactica. Bears. Beets. Battlestar Galactica. 
There we go. Joel. Bahenias, baby. Smoked, preferably. Bahenias, smoked. Matt. What a terrible question. <laughs> what? How Maybe. is a terrible question? Maybe cream of chicken soup just because it's good in so many different kinds of casseroles? You don't make your own? Uh, I knew that was where that was going to go. <laughs> <laughs> New oh. England clam chowder. Oh. I actually asked that question because I had uh, canned corned beef hash and fried eggs for dinner. So, oh, I can't what? believe you ate something out of a can. Prove it. Uh, I don't so, believe it. That's like the only thing I eat out of a can. You have to get like the really good one, like the Hormel, like the really nice one. But it's, the, I, I grew up on that stuff. You're lying. Ooh, canned cranberry jelly. Oh, that's that was the right answer. Ooh, yeah. you don't make your own. No, <laughs> canned cranberry, the jelly. The one that nope. comes out with the ribbed logs. Oh, yeah, and then you just slice it on the table. It's still on the shape in the can. Yeah. can ribbed shape. for my pleasure. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> ribbed for pleasure. Oh, All right, guys, terrible. I have a wrong answer only question. Do you guys want to attempt it? Yeah. Yes. All right. When I say the 92 Dream Team, what comes to mind? Now, a good example would be Aladdin and Abu. Oh. Stacy. Um Marvin the Martian. Who's the other guy? <laughs> Tasmanian Devil. <laughs> there you go. What? I'm lost. Are we going Disney cartoon cartoon characters? No, no, Joel. Wrong answer only. What is the ninety-two dream team? The Special Olympics. Crisscross. <laughs> Crisscross. <laughs> What? I'm so lost. My example was the movie Aladdin came out in 1992. So Uh, Aladdin and Abu are the dream team. Oh, Ninja Turtles. Yeah. And also explaining a joke is like dissecting a frog. You understand it better and it dies in the process. Matt, I see you furiously Googling away in your glasses. Furiously. I'm going to say Batman and Catwoman because Batman Returns came out in 1992. Nice. I did not catch on to that at all. It, I mean, like, I'm, I'm sorry. I ruined that. That was a good one. have been a flop. Like, <laughs> we're going to have to end those. <laughs> R.I.P. 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 All right, guys. That brings us into our final question of the night. I know you've all prepared for this one. It's the one we have every week that you're never prepared for. Our Reload Rubs, the greatest seasonings of all time. Stacy, Slick, Lick Lighter. Are there mustaches in Mexico? <laughs> Ole! Affirmative, there are. Joel. <laughs> is bourbon the greatest invention of all time? I'm really sad you guys didn't um, collaborate your answer. Like, are there mustache rides in Mexico? But Damn it. I, um, I'm not on my game. I'll give it to you. I'm not on my game. Matt. Yes, of course. Oh, like so usual. <laughs> every week. That's the easy one. Same, same answer. And that brings us to the end of that segment tonight. And I'm not sure who I'm going to throw it over to because we're not doing Reload Recommends. We recommended tons and tons of bourbon. We're going to throw it over to Matt. Matt's music. Matt's music. A better follow-up than Reload Recommends, Joel's segment. (laughs) So here we go. I don't even know. This is weird. So we just decided we're not going to do the big Reload Recommends. We're just going to do Matt's music this week. That way we can keep on building the playlist up. So. This week for Matt's music, I have Dallas, Texas-based American rock band Jonathan Tyler and the Northern Lights. 
So these guys put out one album back in 2010, and then the trail sort of goes dark, uh, which is a shame because this song absolutely slaps. So from 2010's album, Pardon Me, this is Gypsy Woman. All your things and take them right back from where you came. does slap Dang. told you man it's got that like kind of like bluesy i don't know i don't know like i've been into the blues rock this this summer so it, it it fits right along with that vibe it's it's super good i think i really love the way matt describes music i mean mm-hmm. i've never heard the terminology slaps and i'm like yeah that does slap <laughs> that does slap it does slap <laughs> now, now all you guys I can go over to spotify um you type in reload recommends you'll find the playlist go ahead and follow it every week we are adding new music to it um awesome way to listen while you're grilling yeah uh, i think uh stacy says it's all chillbilly so that's what i put billy. in the description your your perfect chillbilly songs that's right so you know we uh, we did something here we we asked the question Earlier, when we got into these things about what was people's top fives, you know, doing that do, was a recommends. No, uh, we got it right here in the dang outline. What's your grail? What's the one bottle, the one bottle of bourbon? If you could have out of any bottle of bourbon, what would that bottle be? Yep. So that's the question of the week. That's the question. What is your grail bottle? Yep, that's that's the question of the week. Yep, we do want to know if you guys want to do your 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 five your rundown of the five. Yeah, we're gonna f- definitely know that. But question of the week that we are going to talk about at the beginning of our next episode is going to be what is your Grail bottle? Price is not a factor. No factor. No factor. Doesn't matter. It could be thousand dollars for a bottle. What is your Grail bottle? Grail bottle. Pick it. Let us know. With that being said, we're getting the hell off here. We love you guys. Thank you all for listening to this episode of That Reload Podcast. I want to thank the entire crew for bringing it on this bourbon podcast. This will not be the only one we do. We were sure we will bring it back another time with some tantalizing, tantalizing. Is that the right word? Anyways, a good amount of information of bourbon knowledge. That being said, guys, if you want to keep getting all this knowledge, hit that subscribe button right now. Do it so that you can listen to That Reload Podcast anytime, anywhere. Love you guys, and we'll see you on the next show. See you next Tuesday. This podcast is brought to you by Reload Rub and Seasoning. Head to ReloadRub.com to pick up the full arsenal of our delicious blends, perfect for amping up your next meal. No MSG, clean ingredients, and a portion of every sale is donated to Hungry Heroes, serving those who serve others. So head over to ReloadRub.com and order yours today. Back in black. Hey, can we play ACDC back in black um, while we come back to the podcast, Matt? Mm, no. Oh, come on. <laughs> you never take any good suggestions. <laughs> never, never any good suggestions. Uh, we wanted the walk hard song, and there was another one we wanted. You told us no one. Like, <laughs> I think the real winner of that segment was Joel's, Joel's new nickname. Yeah. <laughs> Medium burn. (laughs) (laughs) MD or MB. I loved it. Um, We should get him on a port on the podcast sometime. I can send him the little bottles. Oh, that'd be funny. Mm -hmm.
A porn guest. Mm-hmm. We have a porn guest. A porn guest. <laughs> we have a porn star coming on. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Yes. That's what we should do. <laughs> That's great. You sure you don't want to talk about adolescence anymore? <laughs> no, dick. Come on. <laughs> oh, I've got to tell you guys something. Hey. We tried that bib and tucker that I got Joel for our anniversary. Holy free holies. Let's go. 12 year. Oh, should I talk about it later? I don't know. On your thing? On what thing? I just want to tell you the bib and tucker 12 year bottle. So bib and tucker is the terminology that back in the day they used to say, when we say now we're dressed to the nines back in the day, they used to say you're dressed to bib and tucker. So it's kind of like the fancy whatever. So I get him this this bottle. You know, it is a pricier bottle of bourbon. Uh, I happen to find bottle number one. Bottle ex- number one. Pretty excited about that. But can I please read you a... Uh, hold on, I'm trying to find it. Let me read you a review. Can I read you a review? It's like drinking the most welcomed embrace. And I'm going to just short it. it. He says, it's really like drinking a warm embrace from the first smell of the cork to the savory and bittersweet end of the bottle. This bourbon was an absolute pleasure and honor to drink. The first taste was like the first time you saw boobs in real life. (laughs) Gentle and smooth. Do no justice to this delicious nectar. (laughs) And it was. It was. It was like new breasts. It was smooth. It was soft. It was delicate and supple. (laughs) Damn it. (laughs) Possible uh, episode title name, Boobs IRL. <laughs> 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 <laughs>